If you're interested in learning how I launched Zim Excellence, then you're in luck. Sign up for my podcast workshop and learn how it's easier and more affordable than ever to start a podcast. Also, grab yourself a copy of my podcast resource guide, which covers industry terminology, suggested tech setup, in addition to countless free online resources to support your podcast journey. Just head to wongai.com forward slash podcast creation. That's wongai.com forward slash podcast creation. The link will also be down in the show notes. Now, let's start the show. Yeah, welcome to the party. Hello, Makadini Salibonani. My name is Wongai, and you're listening to Zim Excellence, a weekly celebration of Zimbabwe's changemakers and trailblazers. So here's the secret, y'all. Zimbabweans are actually dope AF, and it's just time that we recognize it. So grab yourself a plate of sadza and grab that stony ginger beer and let the party begin. Welcome to another episode of Zim Excellence. Today, my guest is a self-taught chef who discovered his passion for cooking and food at a very tender age. His grandmother laid the foundation for his skills with help from Careers Through Culinary Arts Program, CCAP. He was able to enroll in the Hospitality Management Program at the Institute of Culinary Education. His education is from YouTube and Google. (laughs) Throughout his education, he began to curate meals that became uniquely memorable and culturally driven experiences that reflect not only his expertise in the kitchen, but also the flavors, textures, colors, and beauty of Africa. His dream is to continue building on the work Nelson Mandela started in South Africa and spread it all around the world. He says, we host intimate moments that drive people to talk and get to know each other while breaking bread. Our catering niche is Afrofusion cuisine. We specialize in cooking traditional and authentic dishes that incorporate ingredients and techniques from other cultures. Think tacos, shrimps and grits, street sandwiches, chicken and waffles with a flavorful African flair. Please welcome Zikumbula. Ow, 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 ow. No, as they say in Zimbabwe. I love that so much. Fun fact, (laughs) I totally forgot to ask you in the beginning, but how do you say your full name? Um, My full name is Zinusile. That's what I thought, but I was like, if I butcher it live, there's there's no going back. (laughs) (laughs) So turns out you live only a couple avenues away from where I live in Harlem. The restaurants yeah. in East Harlem, and you used uh-huh. to work at Madiba. I did. I did. This I used to work whole at time. So this whole time when I was craving burvos or whatever from home, I should have just been stopping by your house, and then you would have had the hookup. Hello. This whole time. Hello. I am mad. <laughs> wow. Wow, well, wow, I, wow. Well, I'm glad we're here now. So Jesus. I want to play a game. It is a new question that I have for the podcast. You're the first person ever that I'm unveiling this game with. Saka, <laughs> you are at the function, right? You're at the the event, the wedding, the baby shower, whatever, you know? Uh-huh. You know how us Zimbabweans do. And there's chikaf on the side. There's yeah. food. 
So in the kind of buffet or like when you're getting the food, what are you putting on your plate? It's like all the Zimbabwean things you could possibly want oh at the function. Gosh. What are you putting on your plate? That's a tricky <laughs> one. That is such a tricky one. I said, I want to test this question on you because you're the food wow. guy. Wow. And I thought I did my homework by listening to nope. the podcast. So I'm like, oh, I know what she's going to Switch ask. up. Skirt, skirt. Yeah. <laughs> So definitely rice. I mean, you can't mm-hmm. be a party. It can't be Christmas if rice is not there. Is it white or brown rice? A white. Uh, I'm brown. I to... like brown rice netoi with peanut butter. Oh, that's yeah. a good one. The way my that's mom does it one. is is like A1. Wow. I have to try it. I have to try it. But definitely the rice, chicken, mm-hmm. potato salad, coleslaw, beets, I can't do coleslaw. Um, <laughs> no? Coleslaw. Oh, I, I feel like it's because it's everywhere. I just get tired of it. I'm like, oh, coleslaw again. Oh, you got to find someone who makes it really good. That's what my godmother says. So I used to yeah. hate potato salad. And my, my godmother said to me, no, you just have. And, and it's so funny because she listens to this podcast. So she's uh-huh. going to hear this and think, what? She's like, no, you haven't tried it the right way. And then she made it for me and I loved it. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. Looks so okay, right. what else is on the plate? And you have to choose your drink, don't forget. And by drink makoka kora, like fizzy drinks, ah, soft drinks, soda, pop. Oh gosh. Apologies <laughs> to the children who will listen to this. <laughs> Skipping okay, but, uh, what what else is on, yeah. on your plate? If I'm they have goat some... meat, definitely mm-hmm. some goat meat. Uh the beef stew that they make back home is really nice. Um, if I feel like being, um, for lack of a better word, not necessarily ratchet, but if I feel like being at home, pap is chala or sadza, nemorio, bry meat for sure. Like if there's bry, yeah, Yeah, like I'm there for that. Um, and then for drinks, for a very long time, I loved Coca-Cola, but the way the Sprite hits the back of your throat is like, that's it for me. To me as a child, for some reason, I was like, this is the lemonade of all the soft drinks. <laughs> it, just, it just hits. It's not too yeah. harsh like Coke. It's not too like fruity like Fanta. Fanta but mind you, yeah. I don't really drink soda anymore. The only thing I drink is ginger beer or ginger ale. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah because of the ginger. Yeah, Stony is my go-to. Yeah. Can't forget the cherry plum, though, by Spalletta. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, yeah. One of my previous guests, Nyasha Matanda, brought that up. She's like, how dare you ask me to choose? Yeah, even Shrep's Lemon. Oh, my gosh. So you've done your homework. I always like to begin with origin story, right? You know this. Yes. I know this. The listeners know this. So that means I'd love for you to share a bit about how you got from point A to point B, because you were born in Zilakazi, Blowayo. Yes. Yes, I was. And now you live in Harlem, New York. Ow. So please yeah. set the scene for us. Uh, rewind, rewind, rewind. I was born and raised in Zimbabwe. Uh, my dad naturalized to be a South African, so I spent a lot of time in between Zimbabwe and South Africa. As I got older... I had my teenage years of boyhood, and I became a little rebellious. Simultaneously, uh, my grandma was getting older, so she couldn't really keep up and take care of me the way she used to. So 
around that time, my mom had remarried and moved over to the United States. So it only made sense that I also travel here and join her. So that's how I left the motherland to come here. And then how did we get to, to, to the cooking? What's what's that bit in the, in the middle? Cooking, oh wow. Cooking is such an interesting story because I'm sure some of your guests have said this or any other African that you know has said this. Uh, when you come from Africa, it's either you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're an engineer, or you're an accountant, or you're nothing. So I came here, did very well in high school. I got into Pace University for accounting. I was uh, trying to get a CPA. I did about two years there and I realized, hey, this is this is really not for me. So I dropped out and I got into retail. When I was working retail, I used to cook at home and bring food for my coworkers. Then one day a coworker of mine says, I'm having a small rooftop party. You should come and sell your food there. At that point, I'd never sold food in my life. Uh, I didn't even know what to do. But I was like, you know what, let's do it. This is a good opportunity. Let's try it out and see what happens. Like, the worst thing that could happen is that people don't like the food. So I committed and I do the event. Um, it's at a really nice rooftop in Bushwick. 300 people show up. And Jidenna was like one of the main performers there. He did a really live, a really good live performance before he even came out as Jidenna. And I made more money on that one day then I would make in three weeks at my regular retail job. So that became the aha moment. Like, okay, so maybe I can make a living out of this. And from then I took it very seriously. That's so awesome. That's dope.org, as I like to say. My aunt did bring up because I, I said to her, oh, what questions do you have for this guy? He used to cook at Madiba. Oh. And she's like, what? He used to cook at Madiba? What? How did we not meet him? Anyway, she was just like, you know, in our culture, there's always been cooking. You know, we eat, we cook. And for large events, Christmas, weddings, all the things. But like traditionally in our culture, it's like the woman cooks and the man just sits down and waits for the meal to arrive. So in a way, you know, you're kind of like flipping, I guess, the idea of of like cooking. And, and in our culture, there isn't really someone who's like a chef. It's usually the person who's like cleaning the place or something. So in your own way, you're you're paving the way for a lot of people on on how they can reimagine being part of hospitality and the food industry as well. Absolutely. And above and beyond that, also um, domestics, like there's so many gender norms that, oh, the woman was clean, the woman was cooked, the woman. I mean, we're all human beings. It doesn't matter what you have down there or inside of you. And I believe in equality. So being able to cook for other people, regardless of my gender, not only splits the labor in the household, but it's it's a way to share your feelings and show someone that you care for them, regardless mm -hmm. of being a man or a woman. And I think more men should cook. Yes! <laughs> I once dated a chef. That's its own thing. So oh. so busy. We never saw each other. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he was Chilean Spanish. The combination food. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> let's take it back a little bit. So your grandmother helped you lay the foundation for your skills. What do you what do you mean by that? Like, how did you fall in love with with food? So I have a medical condition. I'm asthmatic. 
I grew up in a very interesting time in Zimbabwe where we were comfortable, but we were not well off. So we had to live life comfortably, but with certain limits. And one of those limits was medication. Because of my asthma, I had to be constantly on medication and the things that exacerbated my asthma, like being outdoors when it's like high pollen season or physically like overworking my body would trigger an asthma attack. So my grandma had to find creative ways to keep me busy and keep me entertained. So she pulled me into the kitchen and she started like teaching me how to cook. Career-wise, she was a, a domestic worker for a white family in the suburbs. So she'd come home and cook Western meals, but also remix them with like African ingredients. Uh, so from like a tender age, I learned how to have that experience. And my palate was very expanded from that. But just being able to be in the kitchen and watch her put together really nice dishes inspired me. And there was a day when she wasn't feeling very well and she was unable to cook. So I got on the stove and I scrambled up some eggs. And this is very typical in Zimbabwe. Like you scramble eggs with onions and tomatoes and you eat that with bread and a nice cup of tea. So I made that for her. And the reaction she gave me from that meal, it really fulfilled me and it, it it made me happy. Just seeing that I was able to make her happy by just cooking is what laid the foundation for me to be able to do what I'm doing today. Oh, that is so beautiful. Were your parents, your folks, um, your mom, dad, uh, any step-parents supportive of you once you like dropped out of school <laughs> and then... Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you have a message you want to share with the world or you think, ooh, it could be fun to have my own talk show like one guy, getting started is easier than ever. Here at Zim Excellence, we use Buzzsprout, which is hands down the easiest, most affordable, and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Start for free and list your show on directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping and teaching you to succeed. Just check out their YouTube videos. They are filled with tons of information. So join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Sign up today using the link in the show notes or go to wongai.com forward slash podcast creation and you'll get a $20 credit if you sign up for a paid plan. It also helps support the show. So go ahead, sign up for Buzzsprout and keep me posted on your new podcast. Now back to the show. Uh, my mom was very supportive. My mom has always been supportive of anything I do. My dad was a little skeptical in the beginning. He's like, oh, you're going to be a cook. Like, what is that going to do? And he's still a little touchy because, like, once in a while, I'll tell him I'm selling tacos, I'm making tacos, and he'll make fun of it. Like, oh, whatever, like, tacos, tacos, tacos. And I'm like, okay, watch, when does tacos start bringing in the bag? I don't want to hear anything. So <laughs> there's still some of that, like, because, uh, again, we're stuck in these norms and 
we think that the big jobs are the doctors, the accountants, and so on. So I feel like he's still skeptical. He doesn't feel like I'd be able to live a very comfortable or make a, a decent living by cooking. So there's some convincing to do there. Yeah, because we are afraid of what we don't know. And so because we're having that the conversation now, we probably don't have enough conversations in Zimbabwe about what it means to be a, a chef and that like looking on it as a viable career path or something that's positive and something that's good and something that isn't seen as either a luxury or just entertainment or just a hobby, you know? Yes, yes. So before we jump into the tacos, <laughs> I have to ask you about your brand. So you go by Z from Africa and yes. you introduce yourself as Z from Africa as someone whose mission is to constantly remind non-Africans, especially white people, that Africa is not a country. It is a continent. I have to ask you about this. Z from Africa. Why Z from Africa and not Z from Southern Africa, Z from South Africa, Z from Zimbabwe? That's very interesting. I thought about that before, but... Uh... It got annoying because I used to work in hotels and I found this name when I was working in in hotels because people would walk up to check in at the desk and they see the dreadlocks, they hear what they think is an accent and automatically it's, oh, where are you from? Where are you from? And then one day I got fed up. I'm like, hi, I'm Z. I'm from Africa. And it it stuck with me. I'm from Uh, Africa, darn it. (laughs) (laughs) So after a while, I just reflected on that and I realized that as much as I am from Bulawayo, as much as I am from Zimbabwe, I'm more from Africa as a whole because I am in love with like all of Africa. I love how loud and colorful the west side of Africa is. I love how chill, calm and hospitable the south side of Africa is. Yes, representing South Africa. (laughs) Southern Africa is the best, y'all. Don't listen about this West or this East or this North. Southern Africa. (laughs) Okay, keep going. I feel like uh, I have a little bit of each part of Africa in me. And outside of all that, I think Africa is one. We're like Zimbabweans, South Africans, Benin, um, Nigeria, we're all like our own separate people, but together it's just one Africa, and I'd like to um, represent all of that. That's dope. I really dig that because I'm big on multiculturalism, and at the end of the day, we're all from the same planet. We're all one world. We're all one people. So I, I totally dig that. But reminder, white people, Africa is not a country. Thank you. <laughs> you got to let him know. You got to remind him. For All right. Where? So, Taco Africana. So, first, this is a two-parter. Why mm. tacos? And when was the first time you tasted a taco? All credit goes to Madiba. Like, Madiba, for those of you who don't know, Madiba was a South African restaurant here in New York for 18-plus years. It was started by a good friend of mine, Mark Hennigan. He specialized in south african food and unfortunately he closed his doors a couple of years ago oh, uh he has started a new project he's in north carolina in Asheville. it's a place called the bush if you're ever out there check them out but going back on topic tacos i first ate tacos while working at Madiba because huh, 
New York City, um, as much as the restaurants are Italian, as much as they are French, as much as they are African, people running those kitchens are Mexicans. The blood, the sweat, the heat, the plating, everything behind is usually, usually, usually Mexicans. And that was the case at Mediva. The stuff of, um, the back of house stuff was Mexican. So for family meal that make different things. And the first time I ate a taco was from a Mexican chef at Mediva, and I fell in love with it. And we started exchanging recipes here and there. They'll teach me some stuff, I'll teach me some, I'll teach them some stuff from back home. And when Mediva closed, I was working on my own project. I was where I'm making South African catering and events. So I specialized in South African food, but with a modern twist. Quarter life crisis hits, and I'm like, what am I doing with my life? I'm working on culinary, I'm doing Southern African food, but the problem is South Africa is this little mm. piece of Africa at the bottom. But there's the whole, like going back to Z from Africa, there's a the whole of Africa, there's like 50 plus other countries. Why not do something that embodies all of that, something that's pan-African, and in addition, something that's very familiar to almost every palate in the world. Most people know what a taco is, and tacos are super approachable. Uh, it's hard and it's very difficult, rather, for people who are skeptical about trying new cuisines, especially African cuisine. Some of them think it's too spicy, it's too gooey, it's pungent. Um, you could slow those people down and say, hey, here's the same item, here's the same traditional ingredients, the same techniques, but in a different vessel and something that you're familiar with. You put a taco in their hand, most likely they'll put it in their mouth. Because everyone loves a taco. This is absolutely genius. So my mom and I absolutely love Food Network. I would have loved her to hop on this episode, but, you know, my mom is amazing and she's currently securing the bag. She doesn't know oh, what nice. that means. I'm going to explain it to her when she <laughs> listens to this. It's going to be like, what, what did you say? I'm doing? Anyway, she's securing the bag. But um, we, 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 we watch a lot of food shows and I think we were watching, I think it was like the great food truck race. And at yes. one point they couldn't get their cooker to work. And it was like the Irish team, the Irish American team. So instead of making whatever they were going to make with the potatoes, they're like, oh, we can we can make a, a taco salad thing. And I was like, what? <laughs> like they just kind of reframed it. And in the beginning, when they put put it up on the menu, people were really skeptical. And then they tried it and they're like, no, this is, this is really great. So it was basically like, it wasn't like a salad, but it was like the meat with vegetables with something. And then they just called it a salad. And then you could have it in a taco if you wanted to. And it was like oh. the taco salad, something, something. And then they <laughs> were able to, to sell some. Yeah. So I think it's a genius that you've made it. You've made African food more approachable for people who are skeptical. Because like full confession, I'm skeptical of trying new foods. So, yeah, I'm like, I'm skeptical. I, I'm a very picky eater. And yeah. I also have like food allergies and sensitivity things. So you telling me that it's a taco and that I'm knowing what the ingredients are, I am going to be more likely to have it. And plus, again, who doesn't like a taco? I don't think I've ever met someone who doesn't like a taco. No, I prefer fun. burritos, but like uh -huh. tacos are more, I guess, 
accessible for people because it's like less to hold and to work with and all of that stuff. Gonna say a quick shout out to Nancy who's popped up on our Instagram. She waved, so I just want to say hello back if she's still on. So I watched your TED Talk that you did at Drew University because I'm a detective and I do my homework. And you said something really interesting that not only made the people at the university laugh, but it made me cackle as I was doing my homework. You Uh said, try African food. Try food from other cultures, but African food is better. (laughs) (laughs) And I cackled out laughing like, yes. So I love that you're on this mission with spreading the cuisine of of Africa out there and what better city than New York. But I think it's through food that you also are doing this powerful thing of helping change people's minds on how they see Africa and our different cultures. Wow, that's deep. (laughs) Wait, you didn't think you were doing this? No. I mean, you literally put it in the thing. You said it's your... You want to host intimate moments that drive people yes. to talk and get to know each other while breaking bread. That's like African you, culture. Yeah, the way you packaged it, it sounds <laughs> it sounds way bigger than I imagined it to be. And it's just beautiful to hear that. It is. It is bigger than that. And there's something like memories and senses and moments that come from a meal yes. that maybe it's in the middle of that meal. I don't know, a big life something happened, big life moment happens, and then you can think, oh, yeah, that time when I was at Taco Africana and I had that thing. Oh, I remember that. That was such a good day. And those those flavors come back. How does it feel practicing your culture and then also spreading these different cultures outside of being in Africa and outside of being in Zimbabwe? Two things. Mm Mm-hmm. First and foremost, it's a beautiful feeling. I'm happy to be able to share with Americans and people from outside of Africa in general a bit of how I lived in Africa, a bit of how Africans live where I come from. And my like text messages and emails, instead of hello, I say Sabona because that's how I was raised. And you're going to learn a little bit about my culture, whether you like it or not. I'm going to stick it in there because it's who I am. It's where I'm from. And I feel like sharing that story, it's a silent but very diligent battle against stereotypes. Um, It's re-educating people and actually exposing people to the truth because media has portrayed Africa and third world countries to be Mm -hmm. very less off and very like filled with poverty and starvation and all this negative stuff. While that may be true, nonetheless, we have culture, we have humanity, we have Ubuntu, like, you know, you wake up in the neighborhood I grew up in in Zilligas and people are literally just eating three meals a day of sadza, which is cornmeal and collard greens. And Mm -hmm. like, that's all they have. But they wake up, they greet each other, they smile at each other, they discipline each other's kids. It's a community. 
and you come to New York where it's changing now, but when I came here seven years ago, you couldn't knock on your neighbor's door and you'd <laughs> knock and someone would say, excuse my French, but what the F do you want, you know? I came from a place where you'd wake up in the morning and you say good morning to your neighbor and then now coming here and not finding that, I'm like, okay, how do I cultivate this here so that when I have children, um, they're able to experience the beautiful life that I experienced in Zimbabwe regardless of where they are. So bit by bit, I try to educate people about my culture. And the second part is that it's overwhelming. It's... uh, tiresome sometimes it breaks you down sometimes it leaves you confused because as much as i try not to i don't see race racism exists race like disparities exist they're there but i try not to see them so i associate myself with people from all racial backgrounds or all um ethnicities and stuff but every once in a while i was talking to my therapist about this you find that um, certain races have microaggressions. They may or they may not know this, but they have microaggressions. And these microaggressions, they they hinder the spirit. They hinder the, you know, it's a lot of work and it actually breaks you down. So here I am trying to share my culture. I'm a very colorful person. I love colorful stuff. African stuff is very vibrant and colorful. I'll wear my pants and they're bright and they're this and they're that. And some person from another race, most likely a Caucasian person, will say, hey, crazy pants. And to them, it's funny. It's like, oh, it's like, you know, it's like just a little jab. Oh, hey, crazy pants. Uh, but it, it's it's deeper than that. It's like very microaggressive. And, yeah, that's offensive. You know, so it's, it's, it's hard to deal with those things. But at the same time, I'm really diligent in the battle and... I want to continue sharing my culture. My friends, I hope you enjoyed part one. But before you go ahead and click play on part two, please, please, please go ahead, click that subscribe button, rate, review. And once you're done, meet me back for part two.